You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. On this show, we continue our streak of awesome interviews with the one and only Heli Fredrickson, the winner of Challenge Bahrain and $100,000. This is a really great interview because it's not just Heli, but it's also her coach, Joe Filiol, and her fiance, Ben Powell, who is a former pro triathlete, and her fiance. So, we get to ask Heli and the people around her all kinds of questions about her training, about what the race was like, her future in the sport of triathlon. Is she going to do Kona? What's next? What's it like uh, training with her? I asked Ben, and <laughs> how do you try to keep up with somebody like this? And then what are some things that she's doing in training and racing that uh, Joel likes and maybe some things that they might change? You know, what's going on? And it's an hour long interview. It is really great. I'm really, really happy to bring it to you. Also, later on in the show, I talk to you about a variety of training and nutrition and all kinds of aspects of triathlon so that you can go deep and learn more about what it takes to do endurance sports. Uh, some of the things I cover are knee pain on the bike and how to get rid of it, what might be causing it, and also I go over some of the features of the 920 XT, the new watch from Garmin, and also some features and why I picked the certain data screens that I do on the Garmin 510, which is a dedicated bike computer. We'll talk a little bit about live tracking and so on and so forth. So chock full show of really cool stuff. So let's not wait any longer. Let's go ahead and get Hella on the phone and get started with this great interview. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. All right, we are here with Hella Fredrickson and Joel Filiol. How's it going? Good, good thanks. Good? Good, very good. So the... This is really exciting. We did a phone call like this earlier, Hella, with um, Jordan, Jordan yeah. Rapp, and and then also uh, where we had Joel on the phone, and then also I saw on Slow Twitch that you two did a uh, Ask Me Anything, which was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of interaction, which is really nice to see that, uh, yeah, the interest and also, you know, that we can share a little bit and, and you know, hopefully teach teach people a little bit you know it's just nice to share yeah well, what, what was the um, most surprising question you two got on there you think um like for me it was more like it seems like regarding training that it seems like there must be some secret methods to to get good results whereas it seems like it comes as a surprise that uh, there isn't it's just really just simple and hard work yeah same with you, Joel. I know you've been saying that for a while. I've noticed you saying that for a while. 
yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair. It's um, yeah, there's a, there's some uh, either protocol or, or some sort of magic there, but uh, um, it, you know it's it's not our approach. It's fairly simple and probably boring if people were to go over the detail of it. But you know, it's it's what's the right thing for the athlete at the time and. Um, you know, endurance sport uh, is fairly simple at, at its core, so we, we stick to what uh, what works, the fundamentals, really. Yeah. Well, to the race, in, uh, let's talk about that for a second in Bahrain. The $100,000 that you won, Hella, <laughs> that is wild. What, what, well, first off, do you have to pay taxes on that or not? Yeah, yeah of course. Okay. It's, it's normal income. And then um, after taxes, what... What have you? What are you planning on spending that on? <laughs> I haven't really like, you know, planned a lot. Like, we would like to buy a house in in US at some point, hopefully oh, cool. next year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess that then they they come in handy. Um, also having a wedding planned for for late next year. So I'm sure that those uh, money will be spent uh, well. Yeah, you'll spend it. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. obviously you never plan to win yeah. a race like that. So right. it's just a very nice bonus. And uh, the, the biggest thing for me is uh, the depth of the field. Uh, that that was why the, the victory was so amazing. Yeah. And what was, while you were in Bahrain, what was the weirdest thing that you saw there? Um, I actually expected it to be more um, Middle East and more like you could really tell there was a huge cultural difference it's from Western, the Western world. But right. it wasn't it wasn't that much. Like I had read quite a lot about the the country before getting there, so that I would, you know, act in respect for 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 them and you know dress appropriately and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it didn't really like. I, it didn't really surprise me a lot of the things that I did see, like also like obviously it, it is, you know, they build a lot of big things down there, but I knew that already. Um, right. it, it, I probably, it, it, it did surprise me that it was that Western. So I didn't feel, you know, um, I was probably overprepared, I'll say, for, yeah. the, for a culture that I probably didn't see that much. Yeah. And uh, in the in the race itself, with the uh, 20 meter, was it 20 meter or 25 meter? It was 20 meter, wasn't it? 20. The, dra- yeah. the drafting rule. Um, yeah. Were you able to tell like a huge difference between that and the the 12 that, like, say, most races do, or or was it about yeah. the same? Or do you do you think they should do this in more races? Oh yeah, certainly. Like it was, it's much more fair racing. Like you literally don't get a benefit sitting on 20 meters. You only get the the mental benefits of you know, having people to look at or being kind of in the game. Right. But you're not sitting there and and losing content and not being so concentrated. Um, yeah. But um, definitely, I think 20-meter rule is, is, is the way to go um, for sure. Because when you're sitting on 12 meters, there are, you feel some sort of benefit from yeah. sitting there, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and that changes up the race dynamics, right? People are trying to hang on, so... Yeah. Yeah. And so they Here, don't like that. obviously, there's, there's also a lot of tactics going on, and and it also it is a benefit to be together with people. But as I said, that is more the mental benefit. Right. Right. So I got a question um, for Joel, and also uh, Ben Powell is, might be in the background. Your your fiance is he there? Yes, he uh, is in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And so Joel and Ben, uh, what is something about Hella that 
people may not know. <laughs> well, um, yeah, you know, I, I probably would think back to, I mean, it, it's not necessarily a, a very personal thing, but I think back to that slow twitch thread and that ask me anything. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, I, I think a lot of people assume, you know, even for, for 70.3 or middle distance that, you know, the, the volumes that, you know, something like Haley. Uh, is doing you know, to win these races must, must be quite extreme, and um, but, really, but really that's not the case. And and uh, you know there's probably a fair few age groupers that maybe don't do exactly the same volume, but are not too far away. And uh, you know it's really what we do with those hours. So you know that, that that's um, something that uh, you know that came up uh, in in that in that kind of thread was. Uh, you know the the image of a pro's training and what what that what that is like versus their reality being so different for each athlete and uh, you know and I think that's you know something that any age group can take away and it's what what's right for them and what's right for for Hale will be very different than uh, than many of the other athletes who are on the start line um, so you know I think that, that as, a, as a general theme that, that's what came to mind anyway but maybe Ben's got a, a better answer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I won't go uh, too personal because maybe I won't be getting married at the end of next year. So <laughs> I'll, I'll try and keep it as uh, on uh, on task as possible. But I think w- one of the biggest things that that I recognize, or, which is maybe unique to Hella, is Hella doesn't need a lot in terms of training location or variety. So you know, we we've been in locations in the past where. We've literally done intervals for maybe seven weeks in a row on the same stretch of road because that's all we had available. Right. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people have this impression that triathlon is an exotic lifestyle or an exotic, you know, profession and they get to go wherever they want to go and, you know, train wherever they want to train. And it's like we we actually held us probably one of the best that I have seen anyway at being able to be in a location or an environment and go up and down on the same stretch of road, run the same path, you know, and literally just bang that out day after day and, and not get bored, you know, and I think that's one of the one of the, <laughs> the biggest things that I recognize anyway. Oh, that's a good one, yeah. I, 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 uh, if I'm faced with a repetitive environment, I actually like it. I, I mm. think it's more of a challenge now, and that's interesting in its own way. So... Yeah, I guess if you know that, you know, what's the end goal, you know, you know that this is what it takes to get to that end goal, then you will do it. Yeah, the 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 point is to get faster or stay fast, right? So Yeah, certainly, yeah. The location's yeah. kind of just nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is yeah. lovely, but like literally if you are doing very hard sessions, you're not looking at the location. If you are, you're not pushing hard enough. Yeah. So, you know, you are you only looking? <laughs> <laughs> so with um, with your off season, are you're, Helly, you're majorly in the not training right now for to take a yeah. break. Or so what is off season uh, training or not training actually look like? Are you still out <laughs> exercising? Or are you just hiking around and and doing <laughs> stuff? Or what what's going on? Yeah, my off season is is, is pretty pretty short. Like. Um, I came back to Denmark straight after Bahrain, so two days after I, I arrived back in Denmark. And the uh-huh. first, I'll say five days, I didn't do much else than um, 
uh, see a lot of friends and um, drink some wine and and eat eat not that healthy. Um, and that was really nice. And then I started to add a little bit of running. So I'm doing a little bit of running, just keep going. And now I'm slowly adding a little bit of swimming as well. But it's really just to to keep the body moving. So um, the transition back to training won't be so uh, tough on me. Yeah. Um, it, it's really just, you know, you just do whatever you feel like. Um, it's not uh, to any schedule or anything. If I don't feel like running today, I can do it tomorrow. Um, so it's just really, really a, a relaxed approach and then, you know, recovering and then just relaxing really, because that's the only time you really do it in the year. Right. But well, you mentioned in another interview, and I can't put my finger on where it was, that, um, weight, your body weight, anybody's body weight, maybe, um, has a lot more to do with uh, eating the right macronutrients. I don't know if you remember writing this. It may have been in the slow twitch AMA than mm -hmm. pretty much anything else. And actually you can maintain a healthy or I don't know, uh, race ready body weight, maybe, um, by eating more of the right foods or more of the right macros. Mm -hmm. And what, what are more of those right foods? What are like those I foods? Yeah, like I, I try to, to, I see the food as uh, fat, carbohydrates, proteins, minerals, and vitamins. Uh, I, I, so when I have done a session, I'm thinking, okay, I know I need proteins, I need some carbs, and I, I would like to eat food and not like uh, all sorts of supplements. Um, and and I, I, it doesn't really matter what it is that I'm getting as long as I get those micronutrients so that I know I will recover faster and be ready to train again the next morning or in a few hours if it's that. Um, so, so I'm really just approaching it by eating as varied as I can as, and I'm trying to eat quite organic, so quite like whole food. Uh, right. Instead of the processed food, right, um, and then just lots of it. Like I'm, I guess I'm lucky. I don't like a lot of sweets, yeah. Um, so I don't feel like I don't crave that stuff, but I crave a lot of the, you know, the, maybe the healthy sweets. So like dried fruits, and I like you know those oat bars and oatmeal cookies, and yeah. you can get them. It's still you know sweet, but it's more it's it's food. It's healthy food. You know, it's not processed sweets you know what i mean yeah yeah i'm I'm more used to those kind of foods too and i, I had a coke the other day a regular coke and it was terrible yeah. <laughs> it was so yeah. sweet it was almost like antifreeze or poison or something like that yeah like regular yeah. coke is amazing on a bike ride where you where you're really suffering yeah uh, or, or in a race um i i think it's good as well um but irregular <laughs> it's not and just just to add to that as well brett i think one of the important things that Hela kind of or it benefits Hela a lot is she she has studied human nutrition uh, oh, to, to a okay. level and so she has her master degree in human nutrition and she's just basically you know aware of what's what's right for you and what's wrong for you in terms of high performance and you know it's she she eats <laughs> an incredible volume of food actually and I think Joel will be able to <laughs> To, to to contribute to that as well in the sense that Joel has seen <laughs> the volume of food that Hella eats, but it's it's all the right stuff, you know. Right. So 
Hella could we in an evening meal? Hella could be going up for three courses, you know. And <laughs> but it's all literally, you know, it, it's a combination of Hella says of all the right uh, carbs, proteins, and and everything else. And and it's just, I think it's to her benefit that she studied it as well, pretty much. Yeah, I didn't know that that you had a master's in that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I, I managed to. Uh, I finished that before I I turned in to be professional. So, um, which is very nice. It's it's very beneficial for me yeah. to have. It's now like a secret and, weapon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it interests me a lot, and I and I still find myself digging into studies and stuff when there's new stuff coming up. Well, so, I, uh, I have a question for Joel. Um, how somebody somebody sent us a Twitter question, uh, bkegel twenty five, and he was asking how do you measure easy? And I guess uh, Helly, you can answer this too. But um, because you're the one doing it, (laughs) but uh, Joel as well. um, And he's the question was, you know, because like I'll go out either for an easy run or uh, or I'll mix in intervals. And I'm 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 pretty good at going by a mix of feel and breathing rate, how hard I'm breathing. And also and then I use like heart rate to kind of double check that. And then um Pace is kind of like an afterthought because pace can vary based on the terrain or whatever you're doing. So um, how do you, if you're going to go out for an easy recovery type workout or, or whatever, how do, you, how do you prescribe that as far as targets and metrics? Yeah, we actually don't really use a target for easy in terms of any of those metrics. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just supposed to feel easy. It's as simple as that. Um, uh, you know, when I think of Haley and her, her her natural like basic running speed is is um, reasonably quick uh, for uh, you know compared across the range. So I sometimes look at that afterwards and uh, make sure it's not going too fast. But 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 really, um, yeah, it's just, it 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 should feel relaxed and not forced. And and then it's really up to her to. Um, you know, to to check that she's in in that range, but you know, it shows up. You know, if you're doing if you're doing your easy stuff too quick, which is generally the problem, if there's going to be one, um, you know, we'll we will see that the recovery won't be as good for the other sessions. Uh, you know, won't be as we expect. And but uh, you know, sometimes with uh, athletes that are running with with you know, GPS uh, watches or you know that are looking at the pace that uh, it can creep up a little bit so sometimes say uh, you know don't don't run your easy stuff with a with a, a pace monitor for that reason it's maybe counterintuitive for some but um you know rather than staring at the pace and, and looking at it and not not liking it if it's going too slow um as opposed to just going with the flow on the day you know you could be sort of chasing after uh, some sort of number rather than just sort of letting it happen but maybe how they can speak to how she actually does it yeah, like um, I think if, if if the training load is really really high, mm-hmm. the easy becomes slower or even easier because I really feel that uh, I, I I really need to go easier. Like we have tried in in this last blog actually to to increase my volume in running. Like we've been extremely careful and gradual with doing that, and we've done that, and and it and it's it's been good. But my second run sometimes. I've actually been much better at going in. very easy. I, f- I feel, yeah. but I feel, I can feel if I go too easy that it almost feels like awful. I feel even more heavy going <laughs> too easy. Um, but, um, but, and if the load is not too big, like uh, my easy is probably a little faster, but it's, it still feels 
easier because the body is not under fatigue. Right. So it still won't create any, you know, too much stress on the body because you're not under fatigue. Like now, for instance, in these days, going for an easier run, like that's the only exercise I've done in the whole day. Mm-hmm. You know, then then I'm fresh when I go out. That that's why it, it still feels pretty easy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and and for for riding, we also do a lot of like easy rides. Like I would sometimes do like an hour easy ride after a hard run. And and that hour is is very easy, and there's no watts, no nothing. It's just a right. Yeah, you know, I just go and spin the legs, really. Yeah, sometimes what I've noticed is if you do uh, training style, uh, like easy, kind of the polarized kind of thing, which I know is becoming a you know a, a throw around kind of phrase right now. But the uh, the if if you go easy enough, then that allows you to have the energy to go hard when you want to go hard. And then then when you are nice and fresh to be able to go hard, it, the, the numbers you get from that give you the self-confidence to be able to go easy. Does yeah, definitely. You, you need to be able to, you know, use the whole spectrum. Like if you're not going, you know, if you're not recovering in your recovery sessions or your easy sessions, you can't. And nail the sessions that you need to and then you can't you know push hard enough and it's important that you can push hard enough or else you won't get the benefits of those sessions so it's important that you don't train only in that gray zone and you're always like semi-fatigued um, yeah if you know what I mean. so i want to ask you some questions about uh, earlier this year for the world 70.3 in montreblanc yeah uh, on a scale of one to ten one being outraged and ten being furious. <laughs> How mad were you that the there was no live coverage for you uh, for all the pros out there that day? Yeah, ten or whatever. <laughs> I just think it's a shame, really. Like Mont Blanc was a very very good field, and at that point they said it was probably the strongest that's ever been up there. And yeah. And yeah. it, it was a very, very nice venue and a very good setup up there. But it, it's such a shame that we don't get the coverage out there. And and, and it was the same with there. There was not enough, like, uh, marshals on the course and stuff. There's just many things. There was just, mm-hmm. for a world championship, it just really needs to be perfect, I think. Yeah, I wonder if, because of the long distance, you know, the half Ironman and the Ironman, especially in North America, is... It's kind of more the the pros seem to me to be kind of an afterthought and a an add on later in the in the industry, um, and it's more over here. It's more of a participant age grouper kind of thing that uh, that the they just don't understand the how important it is to get the this coverage out to the world and then people like uh like you for example that come over from the olympics and itu and such that are used to performing on a really high professional level where it's almost an entire the entire race is pros um the the culture clash of the expectations uh, is so so different um and that maybe that has something to do with iron man the the brand uh, WTC races not having as good coverage as, for example, like ITU coverage is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Like for me, coming from ITU, as you said, and then 
to Ironman and, and you know you have family that wanna watch the race and and there's live coverage as they say and then there's nothing. And yeah. it, it it's super frustrating for, for, for them but but also for, for the sport to grow if 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 there's no coverage and there's no exposure, it, it won't be able to grow like we want it and like mm-hmm. the sport deserves. And and um, so also like non-endemic sponsors won't understand what's going on if they can't see it anywhere. Yeah, and I've I've wondered um, with the non-endemic sponsors. So for people that don't know what that means, that's like Rolex, right? Becoming a sponsor of races. So it's it's a brand that doesn't really make anything for the sport, but the image of the sport is great for the brand. So they advertise. And then that's how you get big brands in with big dollars. Um, So you'll see Rolex advertising along with America's cup sailing events, for example, and Rolex does not make sailboats, (laughs) (laughs) you know, have you considered, um, approaching uh non-endemic sponsors yourself as an individual because in this sport you're kind of your own brand yeah certainly ben is uh, ben is the man behind all that stuff so maybe <laughs> yeah. he's uh... yeah, yeah it's, in, it's it's interesting that this topic comes up actually because just a couple of hours ago i was on a on a skype call with zibby um ceo of, of challenge family and mm-hmm. we, we were discussing the whole non-endemic world of sponsorship and you know that just kind of the lack of it in some ways, but also the potential of it in many ways. And you know, I think it, it really goes to show um, if if an organization um, puts less a focus on coverage, uh, it really shows that <laughs> the, the 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 want to grow in the professional side of the sport is not there because right. there's, there's a tremendous volume of non-endemic sponsors actually that are craving an entry into the sport of triathlon. Um, I know it from my own involvement in business and I know it from speaking to numerous profiles um, from the corporate world who actually are looking for a way into the sport um, to, to, to not only expose their company but actually activate the sport with their company so mm-hmm. for example you know corporate initiatives with with their employees and and put in their their name or their corporate entity towards health it's, it's a huge it's a huge global thing right now for for non-endemics to do that and i think for a for an organization um in this case wtc to not focus on um on, on exposure and and actually covering the event it really shows the direction that they are taking. Whereas if if we just take Challenge for, as an example and what they did in Bahrain, um, it really shows that they understand how to turn triathlon as a, as a sustainable sport. And, and that's that's one of the biggest things that I think you will actually see now from from the developments in the Middle East and Challenge Family as, as an organization. Um, they, they right now, I feel, are... One of the biggest um, potential arms to to grow the global sport of triathlon, um, based on the attention they have from non-endemic sponsors after just that one race in Bahrain. Yeah, just one race. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. what's the what's the plan for next year? With, um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure you're you you've said that you're going to chase after this uh, million dollar um, series <laughs> of races, um, and I would too. But then, 
what what about uh, does Kona fall down on the on the on your personal rankings of of goals for next year, and because of the of the money and then the and then hopefully the prestige that comes with this uh, the challenge races, and um, or do you they the saying is you can't serve two masters at once, you know because then. You would also be needing to, if you wanted to do Kona and have at least a foot in the door with Kona, you'd have to do all these half Ironmans and Ironmans that they require for these KPR points for you to get in. Yeah. No, um, Kona is, is not on my radar for next year. Okay. Um, I, I I might go to Kona to, to watch it and see what's all about over there and see if, if I get a feel for it. But uh, at the moment, I'm still uh, super hungry for the for the middle distance and I, now with with the triple crown being announced in the Middle East, like I feel that there, it's it's there are now need for middle distance specialists. It's not mm-hmm. anymore like uh, Ironman people that want to do some preparation races and then they do a few half distance races or Olympic distance people that just sometimes want to throw in a longer distance race. I feel now that there's literally like we will be seeing more and more half distance specialists and there will be serious around the world. And also now again with challenge now they have, they have challenge America now where taking over all the rev three races. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. More, more half distance races. All of them will be half distance in U S now. So again, more of them will come. So no, I will uh, try and specify towards the half distance and still throw in a little bit of, Olympic distance non-draft races, right? Um, and because I, I love to race, and I also love that distance, and it it mixes up well, I think, to to make me stay fast, hopefully on half distance as well. Um, so uh, it will be uh, primarily the 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 triple crown in the Middle East I will focus on, and then uh, we actually just just uh, talked about it today how to build the season, but. Um, as it looks right now, we're also going to try and qualify for for the 70.3 Worlds. All right, let's take a break from the interview just for a moment to give a shout-out to one of our big sponsors of Zen and Yarda Triathlon, Amrita Bars, A-M-R-I-T-A, Amrita Bars. They are so good, and they come in a variety of flavors, and they work great for nutrition on the bike, on the run. Pre, pre-workout, pre-race, all kinds of good stuff. They are nut-free, super, super healthy. The ingredient list is short and good. And I think my favorite is the pineapple chia. And, oh, they have apple cinnamon, and it just goes on and on. They have, like, a, a recovery bar that's uh, maca chocolate. Oh, man. So good. So if you want to enjoy some of these Amrita bars and put them in your nutrition hole, put them in your mouth. They are so good. You will not regret it. You can get 15% off any order with the discount code ZEN, all caps, Z-E-N, at AmritaHealthFoods.com. Go check them out. It's a beautiful website, beautiful food. They even have training gear, which is some of the best looking kits I have ever seen. I love racing and that stuff. So check them out, amritahealthfoods.com. And let's get back to the interview with Heli. Here we go. For training, does Ben, do you ever go out and train with, with Heli? Yeah, I give her a tough time every day, buddy. It's, uh, <laughs> she, she's, she's hanging onto my wheel every day. It's oh, like it's, I was going to ask, who, who's faster? And I, got a, I think I got an idea. 
<laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that little white lie won't get very far. No, I I have done like in the past. I've raced myself, but right now it's hell isn't in too high of a shape for me to be of any use, and I just wow. become this sweaty mess behind yeah. her. And I just get yeah. I, I'm no use if I'm actually riding by with yeah. her on the hard stuff or running with her. Not not when I'm working as much as I am. So I'm always there. Like I will always facilitate the hard sessions. And um, so whether that means me on a mountain bike when she's running or I'm on a scooter when she's riding the bike, I will always. The hard session, someone will have eyes on, uh, whether that's me um, or whether that's Joel um, when, when he's on camp with Hella. That's, that's basically how we work. I, <laughs> I have in, you know, trained with Hella in the past, and I can get to the point where I'm kind of of some use, but that's, that's not that often. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, it happened a little bit this summer when we were in Bola. He got okay fit, but in hard sessions, he got dropped. <laughs> <laughs> Well, my my wife does um, some triathlon uh, training and racing, but nowhere near what I do. But I I would be so excited if she got faster than me. I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, like and yeah. and I think for, you know a lot of guys that I speak to, they're like, oh my god, dude, like you you get checked by your you know your fiance. Like, yeah. Hang on a minute, guys, like this isn't that's something. awesome. Yeah, this is my ego or anything you know if 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 hella's kind of at the top of the sport where she is i'm happy yeah. to get a beat in every single day so yeah that's, uh, it's it's, it's like you're lucky to be with somebody that's the way i view it is it's so you're so lucky any of us to be with somebody that's like that incredible like to be <laughs> to be that fit you know because then yes. it motivates you to to be that to try to catch up i mean it's good for everybody yeah. and for me you know i i enjoy the high performance side of the sport so it's yeah. it's i I'm fascinated with seeing how Hella looks when she runs super fast. And I, you know, I relay this information to Joel as well. Mm -hmm. So we, we have to also remember that Hella and Joel are not, they're not always together. And Joel yeah. doesn't often have eyes on. So he, he needs <laughs> some kind of information relayed back. So it, it, it helps in that sense. And I enjoy it. I enjoy to just observe and, and follow the progress. So. So, so Joel, do you sometimes uh tell ben like uh hey make sure she takes this one fuel with her or this one water with her because she forgot last time or do you do you work with with uh ben some on 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 being there for you oh yeah yeah not 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 stuff like that yeah. you know the the feedback that i get from ben is, is 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 more sort of holistic you know how she's doing how her recovery is how, how she's feeling before races if she's in the right place and that stuff has been super valuable. I think we've kind of really formed a really nice team that way. And um, it's been invaluable for, for to hear what he has to say and because and, 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 he can, of course, see, see more than I can and in a different way, too. And, you know, I think it's worked really well, even even on, on the ground in, in, in Bahrain there. So I wasn't there, but, you know, but I would send a, you know, a message directly to Ben, ask how things are going, you know, and, and that way I could get a, a different kind of feedback of, uh, of uh you know, whether we need to adjust anything or not, because sometimes, you know, athletes, they don't want to change things necessarily because they're used to their own rhythm or routine, but, but having somebody else like that, that can, that can feed in, you know, might prompt something, you know, just a little tweak here or there to a usual routine that, that might be beneficial. Or, you know, other times in the year, I can think of a, a, a number of examples that come to mind where, where, where Ben's feedback was, was useful and, and it's a different kind of feedback. So yeah, it's been really, really beneficial. Yeah, I've had spouses email me and tell me that their their husband or wife is bouncing off the walls. Can I please send them out on a on a <laughs> three hour 
<laughs> run or something. <laughs> it's funny how yeah, you can use the spouses kind of sometimes help in the get in there and in the mix and can be helpful sometimes. So that's cool. I mean, particularly as Ben understands yeah. the sport so well, and um, you know, and, and you know, it, it's approaching it, you know, perhaps more, you know, more, more than just that. I mean, he's, he's you know, it's, it's not a secondary coach. I don't know what the category is, but there's something there that. Um, that really does that add a lot to Heli's career. Yeah. So, Heli, can you go through with me how, and then Joel also, can you kind of pitch in and, and Ben too, like how your setup is for racing? For example, like can you start off with the swim? What are you wearing on your wrist as far as like any kind of, uh, you know, pacing or heart rate or anything like that i guess not not so much on the swim but what do you what do you start off the swim with gear wise and then like maybe eating before the before the race and then let's go into now you move from the swim to the bike and how do you have your bike set up and then onto the run um i don't wear any watch or anything um so for the swim it's it's just the wetsuit uh Uh if if it's a wetsuit swim and a cab and a pair of goggles and uh, yeah, for for obviously, I have a lot of um, um, baby oil and stuff like that underneath, so that I can get the wetsuit up very quickly. Okay. Um, and then I I always use earplugs. Um, I get very dizzy if I get water into my ears. Okay. So uh, I'm practically deaf. Deaf. Uh, <laughs> I I can. Do you wait for everybody to start swimming, and then <laughs> you're like, oh, I guess we should go now. <laughs> I, the gun is luckily so so loud. Yeah. Um. So I hear it. Like I also train with earplugs. So like Joel knows that he needs to speak very loud or come down to my level, or else oh. I would not know what he's yeah. talking about there. Yeah. So Joel on the side of the pool, For you have sure. to yell like double loud at her. What what to do? Definitely. Like well, over the yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, say, over the years, I I can tell when you're hearing me, so <laughs> not in vain. I I I you know you I can tell if you if you've heard what I said. So but yeah, get close. Okay. So then, so so in the water. So how do you pace yourself? Just off of who you think is in the lead? Are you able to tell actually who's in the lead, and then you're just um kind of pace yourself off of them, or or what? Yeah, like I was, I was a, a national swimmer, um, swimming for Denmark for seven year, rep, seven years representing Denmark. Right. Uh, in the nineties, so uh, I I'm not as good as a swimmer as I was, but I I have uh, a good get out speed, so uh, I I tend to be out in the front uh, in these non draft races. Mm-hmm. Um. So I basically just really go as hard as I can from from the start and then settle into a good hard rhythm. Um, I, it's important to to n- respect that the swim is is it's tough, it's hard, and it's hard work for those fifteen or nineteen hundred meters. Um, if you want to get out of the water in the in the front of the the race, and uh, as as many of the races has turned out this year, uh, the 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 win has been from the people that's come out of the water in the first group of the first five people. Right. Yeah. So the swim is becoming more and more important. So I, I really just approach this as I know that I can swim very, very hard for 20 to 25 minutes right? Uh, without it affecting me a few hours later in the day. Okay. So um, then, well, go ahead. No, sorry. Okay. So then you come out of the swim 
and uh, you kind of check around. You're in the front pack. Everything's good. And then you, you hop on the bike and then take off. So what, what, how is your bike set up for racing? Um, for, um, I have a, I use a, a bottle in, in between my aero bars that has a, a straw in it so that I can, yeah, stay aero when I'm drinking. And then it's, it, you get reminded all the time that you need to drink as well. Right. Uh, yeah. I do the same because I won't drink enough if I don't. Yeah, definitely. And I did actually the same, the same in my first halves. I didn't have that bottle and I didn't drink anything really because I had to, you know, think about it and get out of the aero position to drink. So right. that's a very good deal for me. And then I have um, a, a, a gel flask on, on the top tube that's in a, that's in a little bag, mm-hmm. which I also keep taking like very, very regularly. So I keep getting some, some sugar down in my, my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's basically it. Uh, and then for, for, for the bike, it's, it's a little bit the same, like get going and, and if you can get get out of sight or, or get get on the train if, if there's people up the road. So I saw on your bike and the I've been uh, on the trainer lately working out watching the um, the Bahrain video, which is still online, which is so yeah. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's so right that it's still online. So I got I get on my bike. I was watching it I think last night I was on the trainer and I saw that you had two round bottles, one on the down tube and on the seat tube. Yeah. So are those are those full of fuel too, or are you just gra- are those just grabbed from uh, aid stations or what's in no, those? No, they, they, I bring them as well. Like I don't use the aid station, um, so I don't have to slow down and try to catch a, a bottle. Uh-huh. You never know if it's easy to get or not, uh, and what you get. So no, on my tube I have one with uh, also with energy drink and and quite a few electrolytes and that, and then I have one with water. Okay there but yeah bring it all and and certainly also if it's a if it's a flat course it doesn't really matter yeah if if you're a little bit heavier um like your whole setup is a little bit heavier it's just it's more important that you know you have the right fuel with you okay and then what about bike computer what do you have set up on that nothing (laughs) Uh, bike computer oh yeah i have have an srm so uh, i have the bike computer going and and i do see uh, the watch sometimes but I really try to read the read the race. So if there is an attack, I, I usually try to go with it. <laughs> um, like if I'm confident that I've done the work that I needed to do, I I try to race, and then see what happens. Like I'm not the uh, one that's sitting and thinking, "Oh no, I'm going way too fast now. I'll way too hard." I'm trying to. If I can go, I will go. Yeah, and, and then- so I'm really I'm really a racer, and that that that's also why I am in racing. You need to. You know, stick to your plan a little bit more. Whereas, I see half this, and you can still race it. Yeah, yeah. you can take more risks, right? Yeah, yeah. certainly. Yeah. And then, uh, well, do you wear a do you wear a heart rate strap on that or not? No, no. no. So you you don't you don't have any data of like how hard your heart rate's going during these races. That would be really wild to see. I think. But, yeah, no, I'll, I'll probably get a shock, like thinking I'm gonna get a heart attack. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to know. It, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and you got an idea from training too how high it goes. Yeah. So then, um, what about on the run? What do you what do you do on the run? Um. So for the for, for Bahrain, I actually uh, decided to go no socks and then 10k racing flats. Okay. Um, because I feel faster and lighter in those shoes, so I was just like, oh well. I'm going on off season, so losing a couple of nails and 
getting some blood blisters, that would be all right. So, yeah. and I have, I have already, I have one nail that's not looking good. So anyway, yeah. um, it doesn't matter. So, so in Bahrain, I, I did that and then, um, um, yeah, I ate three, three gels on the run. Okay. Um, and then getting water and Coke and the aid stations and, um, yeah, that's about it really. Wow. Um, so, and then just uh, running as, as as fast as I can. <laughs> so Joel, do you give any input on how she sets things up, or are you just kind of, you know, she's successful at what she's doing, and you kind of observe and then just give any any ideas or or what? Yeah, I mean, in terms of a race execution, we certainly review that and 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 prepare how we we think uh, would be beneficial for the particular course or for the field. Um, uh -huh. So. Necessarily from that that point of view, I mean, a lot of the stuff uh, the issues talking about, you can have a about in terms of equipment and and such, or or just the, the real basic processes. I mean, that that's pretty pretty dialed. Uh, we have talked about sort of modifying uh, nutrition on the run a little bit. You know, these are these are sort of tweaks, really, uh, more so than any any anything um, that that. that potentially big changes, but I mean, you, you always have to be thinking, you know, how, how do you improve, how do you continue to evolve, you know, wh where are those um, improvements going to come from, whether it's the little things or, or sometimes bigger things, but, you know, so you never really think that you've arrived and, and this is it, um, you know, you can just continue to do things the same way forever, but at the same time, a lot of these processes are, are really dialed in, so they're, they're quite automatic, and, you know, even the way that Helly's talking about how she races there, you know, it, it, that you know that that's a good place to be, and you know, kind of instinctual and and and, and able to make decisions on your feet, and um, you know, and that's what you know allows you to, you know, to when the opportunities in front of you to, to seize that in in races, and um, you know, it, it's good to see that progression. It's probably taken some years to to get to that point, have the confidence and the kind of the assertiveness to and readiness to do it. Uh, but, but, you know, that's been a really interesting evolution to watch that happen. And, and it's partly through Haley's own thoughtfulness for, from, you know, her races and how she approaches it. It's, it's due to reviews of Ben as well from watching other races, from really being a student of the sport. And, um, you know, and, and I remember talking about it after Bahrain and thinking, you know, how, how much, uh, how, how much that has evolved and changed, you know, in terms of, that that ability to to really become a racer and and um, and of course you've got to have the preparation to back it up but but you to be able to put that out on the course and be satisfied that you've done everything you can do. Yeah, right, I got a question, um, and there's this has been covered plenty, and it, it really I, I want to ask it in a way that's not the same as everybody else, but with the with the whole. The, the Twitter drama that happened after the race um, with Carolyn Stefan, which I'm sure people already know plenty about, but, and uh, uh, Helly, Helly, you'd probably just like to forget about it. <laughs> Is, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, when I, when I read it, I, I read it after the, the whole evening, uh, actually in the mornings when yeah. I got home from, from the award party and all that stuff. So then I read it and I, I must admit that I, Got extremely sad and didn't sleep that night. Um, yeah. That's just that person I am. Like I, I, I take it too hard and I shouldn't do that. Uh, I just get very disappointed that uh, obviously that he, he doesn't confront me directly and also that uh, there was it was certainly fair racing. So um, I was very sad to 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 hear see her treat something like that and I, I found it very immature to be honest. Yeah. Well, I, my question um, is to. Uh, 
Ben and, and Joel, actually, what did you tell or did you say anything to Helly about how to handle that? Did you give any mm-hmm. advice or did she come to you about that? Or, or as a team, do you sit down and, and uh, think about these things? Yeah, it's, it's you know, I, from one side of things, like Hella is only human and she's going to have a natural emotional reaction to something like that when yeah. she's, you know, she's put her heart and soul into winning that race and winning legitimately um you know being the human that she is it's going to affect her and and it, and it did affect her and yeah, sure. of course um you know but then we ha- of course have to discuss it you know how how do you react like that you do have a public following you do have people that uh, you know that are watching your every move in some sense so so how do you react and yeah we we spoke about it i think Helen and i would you know joel was probably out of the loop in that sense that joel would stay away from that until, you know, unless it was absolutely necessary. But yeah. we spoke about it and, you know, like we we, were, we have a communications consultant as well that, that, that we work with externally actually. But, you know, in, in cases like this, not just Carolina's case, but in, in other cases, it's we, we talk about it. We we say, okay, what's the best thing to do? And and it's settled privately now. And, and that's, that's what I think is, you know, yeah. we're all professionals at the end of yeah. the day and yeah. it's you know, it's in the heat of the moment. I think a lot of people just, you know, they communicate on emotions rather than actually uh, sure. yeah. sitting down and thinking about it. And I think Caroline did the same. And, and I think now, based on the, the private communication that's been had, I think she realized it was a bit, it was a bit dumb. But, but yeah, we definitely talk about it. And it's, it's just part of the evolution of a, a professional athlete. And, you know, you, you, you have a kind of example to set and, we try and set that with Helen, and I guess Caroline will try and set it in the future. So, yeah, yeah. Have, have you um, on the upside of this? Th- th- there might be an opportunity here. Have you ever thought about uh, creating fake Twitter drama because it, people were <laughs> as interested in this as it seemed like in the in the entire race? Like Helly putting out a tweet uh, saying uh, "OMG at Jody Swallow." I can't believe what you said yesterday. Hashtag. <laughs> Uh, Madagascar, you know, just like something totally random, and then people are like, "What?" And then, <laughs> oh, I haven't thought about doing that. <laughs> There's probably people doing it out there. Sometimes I see some tweets that I think, "Oh, what? what this is, is pretty. Yeah, it is black. This is black talk or whatever." <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so right. no, I haven't, I haven't considered that. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Maybe we'll set a strategy after this talk or something. <laughs> cool. So, uh, Joel. I got a question for you to, to kind of wrap up. Uh, Hella seems really well-rounded to me as an athlete. What what is uh, left really to work on in the in like over the next year? Like, what will you focus on? I, you know, Hella, watching watching you on the bike, it seems to me that you have a little bit of ITU positioning on your bike. You know, like um, as far as aerodynamics. Oh yeah, you yeah. Know? I don't. Yeah, yeah, I don't sit so aggressively. Yeah, but but at the same time, you always have to look at like how well somebody's performing, and you know they're they, maybe they're performing better because they can breathe better because they're not, you know, crushed their chest into the stem. So mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah I, things I, like that. So like, what are you what are you looking at for next year? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of see the, the, the transition coming across from, from ITU to um, the long-distance racing. It's, it's just really getting rolling now. We, we've got lots of areas to improve, and it's a good place to be as an athlete to look at your 
your program and your profile and think, well, there's there's all so much more we can do. You know, maybe even the run in, in, in that we saw in Bahrain might have even been ahead of our, our schedule, really, in terms of what, what we knew was possible, but we knew we needed to do some work uh, to get there. <clears throat> but that process is just continuing. Um, you know, it's just like like many athletes that that come from the, uh, sort of a, a faster uh, background or a, a, you know the IT background. It's, it's making sure that the endurance and the conditioning is there to to race for the four hours, and then and we've got lots of areas we can improve within that. You know, in the, the the swim is fairly stable, but but you know we can never be complacent with that. I mean, the riding there's there's going to be more work to do as well. Um, how they can get faster and stronger still. And, uh, you know, as we look at the courses of the main events, and you know, that will also um, uh, play some role in, in what that training looks like and how to yeah, progress it. And the running, of course, as well, you know, all of those elements. So uh, it's a good place to be in because it, it's not a mystery what we need to do next. Uh, we just continue progressing, at, you know, at the right rate and, you know, add another layer of condition on top of where she's been. And, and, and we're going to continue to do that. And, um uh, you know, it's an exciting place to be in, I think, uh, finishing the season in this way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you always need to be training for the course, right? <laughs> That's the race. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. We definitely did that for, for Bahrain. Like, uh, in Lanzarote, where I stayed for oh, almost three months before the race, like, there's a lot of wind on that island, and yeah. it's very very similar to Bahrain. And we were told that we were probably going to get tailwind on the course. We didn't. We more got, I would say, like a crosswind and not not too hard wind. Um, where, but in in Lanzarote, we did train specifically with tailwind. Uh -huh. um, so I had to put out certain efforts in tailwind because it's not as easy as doing it in the headwind. Yeah, yeah, it's harder to. Uh, Jordan Rapp once said, "It's easier to find watts going into the wind or uphill." Oh, yeah, definitely. And and to, to push the same watts in the tailwind is, is tougher. So we, we definitely train for the course, I would say. So. Well, cool. Well, cool. I, I'm really uh, glad that, that you got on this interview with me. And I've been uh, excited about talking to you once we started talking about setting this up. It's been all I've been thinking about. This is really neat. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. It was nice. Cool. Mm. Great. Thanks, Brett. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was really cool. Thank you so much, Helly and Joel and Ben. And wow, that was so amazing to be sitting there talking to all these different people from all over the world that worked as a team to get that result. There's no doubt about it. That is teamwork working there. And what you can do when a lot of people believe in you and you start dialing it in and getting it right. It's amazing. All right. Like I promised, I said I would talk a little bit about knee pain on the bike. Ooh, man. Uh, I was uh, starting to get back into training after my Iron Baby, my self-supported Iron Man that I did uh, a few weeks back, maybe a, a month or two ago now, a couple months ago. And I noticed that um, something's not right. My knee started hurting, both knees, and... Uh, I spent a lot of my cycling life trying to get rid of knee pain, and I had kind of an idea what it was. So I started looking into it. It's the front of my knees, and also I noticed that my position on my saddle was not right. And I checked my saddle height. It hadn't changed. You put a piece of tape on your saddle, uh, your seat post, right above the collar, 
and then you can tell if it's raised or lowered. Or if you remove your seat post, then you can get it right back to where you where you had it. Painter's tape works great for that little piece, or electrical tape. And I was like, well, what's going on? So I clipped off my shoes, turned them over, and my cleats had slidden. Slidden? Is that a word? Had slid uh, forward all the way. And what this does is it gets the cleat more under your toes instead of under your heel. And now your point of contact that you're pushing down against is now further out away from your body. And the force that you have to push against uh, ends up being more on the front of your leg um, because now it's further out from your body. And a lot of us, it creates... It's, it'll start creating tendonitis uh, in the front of your knee. And the cure... Oh, and then also I started noticing that on longer rides and harder rides, my um, my toes were going numb a little bit. And, and I was like, well, maybe it's the colder weather. And I think it was a combination of the colder weather and then the, the uh, pressure underneath my toes more, the ball of my foot instead of the midsole of my foot. And... Then I said, okay, well, I got I to gotta undo these and, and move them back. And I actually have a spare, spare set of cleats. And as I started taking my cleats off, I stripped off one wrench, uh, one hex wrench, uh, ruined it. And then I finally got the last bolt out. And the problem with triathlon is that we ride bikes a lot. And we end up sweating and, uh, in some cases, peeing in long course triathlon uh, into our shoes, which is nasty. And then uh, your cleats and bolts and stuff like that, uh, the assembly gear, the threads of the screws can start rusting into the, the male end and then the female end of what you screw it into can start kind of rusting and then it becomes very difficult to undo these. So when I put the, uh, I got, I just threw out the old cleats and then, um, and the bolts and stuff like that. And then as, this is a tip here, as I put the new cleats in, I put heavy grease. You can get, uh, I think it's um, lithium grease or there's, get a heavier grease, not like, not like chain lube, but like heavier grease and put it on the threads of the bolts as you're putting them into your shoe and you're screwing on your cleats and it will protect your cleats from rust and, uh, and also make them easier to undo when you do need to adjust uh, your cleat angle or where it is on your shoe and so on and so forth. So my my favorite place to wear my cleats is way back on my foot, as far back as the cleats will go. And this gets the con- it, this cured a whole lot of my foot pain and numb foot and all kinds of issues I was having. And the thing to remember is if you move your cleats back to give yourself uh, some relief in your toes. You need to remember, uh, let's say it's a couple centimeters on your shoe. Well, now your crotch is, and your legs are now two centimeters shorter to the pedals. So that effectively raises the seat post and the seat two centimeters higher into your crotch. (laughs) So you're going to have to uh, either uh, lower your seat, push your seat 
forward, back, whatever, whatever it takes. Um, if you adjust your cleats, a lot of people forget that, that if you move something one place that affects the chain further up the line and to what I do is I do these kinds of adjustments on the trainer and that way I have my tool set right there next to the bike and I can work on stuff and then try it. And then I can, uh, and I do it after I've warmed up and then I can look to see that my power and my heart rate and my comfort level is still good or even better than it was before. And that's your goal is to have it better. Um, and you've, you've locked down your environment so that it's stationary and you've controlled as many of the variables as you can. So you can, for example, raise your seat a little bit. Okay. Is that, and it's, it's on the trainer, right? So you can get back on it and go, okay, is this better or worse than what it was before? And if you did this out on the open road, who knows if it's better or worse? Cause now you're going downhill or uphill or whatever, you know? So a trainer is a great place to do this kind of stuff. All right. So I wanted to give that little bit of tip out there and should we do the training log now or should we mention some Hornet juice? Let's mention, let's mention Hornet juice. <laughs> One way to great, one great way to support Zen and Yard of Triathlon is go get yourself some Hornet juice. It's on the right side of the website, zentriathlon.com. And yeah, this is crazy stuff. It's an amino acid mix that works really, really, really well. And uh, if you get some, then a little tiny bit of it goes to help support the show. And you get a handwritten email from me, hand-typed, I guess, <laughs> hand-typed email from me asking how's, how's it going, where you're living. And your Hornet juice shows up from New Zealand. And the stuff is really amazing. It really does work. Lots of people uh, have written back to me. They can't believe how well it works. And they come back for return orders. This, this is no joke, man. The stuff is great. You got to be ready for it. it. It works really well. And what it does is it helps you metabolize body fat better than just straight carbs. Uh, it's got that amino acid mix in there. It turns on your body fat burning. And your body fat is like this limitless energy supply. So it kind of feels like you're running on diesel power. It's pretty neat. So go check that out again, zentriathlon.com, right side of the page. And let's go ahead and get into the training log. This is where I take you with me on all my training. I think this one's about an hour long. And we cover swimming, biking, running, all kinds of neat stuff, running with the dog. And yeah, I go into detail about how I got my screens set up on my Garmin 510, uh, how and why. And something else I should mention is notice when I list them off, I don't have miles per hour on there as my screen. And there's a really good reason why. Because miles per hour is more of a result instead of a target. <laughs> the closest you should probably get is uh, power if you're going to train with watts and uh, talking with more and more people, you know, that's kind of subjective whether you want that or not. But miles per hour uh, has you out chasing numbers, for example. So there's a lot of that in there of why, of me talking about the how and why uh, of what to use on the bike and what really, really works. So let's go ahead and get started with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi everybody, my name is Brett, I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, 
We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, training log, start date. Thursday, the 18th of December. I'm on my way to W to the ERK. I got people that won't let me into their their lane. Hey, dude, come on. Anyway, uh, great run this morning. I went, the temperatures are perfect. Perfect running temperatures for me are where you need gloves on your hands. And then that's it. Wow, that person's got aggravation issues. Okay, then... <laughs> Running with the dog is so funny because they're so primal. You know, there's like, uh, we're running along and all of a sudden he starts freaking out and pulling at the end of the leash and he's 80 something pounds. So he's a big, heavy dog. He starts pulling, dragging me and there's no street lights and I'm on a country road and it's like, holy crap, what's going on? And, uh, he, uh, I, the shape that he's chasing after, I look at it for a while and then I realize it's black with a big white stripe running down its back. And, of course, I've got them under control. So I'm thinking, uh, man, thank God this dog is on a leash. Because my morning would be way different after this if he wasn't on a leash. Because we'd be scrubbing down a dog with tomato juice or whatever and keeping him outside and the smell and everything. And, and yeah, that, that skunk, you know, lit up with his tail straight up in the air. <laughs> standing all crazy. Uh, it was pretty wild. And then... So there's a real threat right there, you know, something that's going to really actually happen. And then uh, later on we're running and a big trash truck drives by and my dog Kona is scared of big loud trucks, you know, because they're big monsters. And he all tries to scramble into the grass to get away from it, even though it's not a threat at all. And then we... Uh, we're running through an elementary school parking lot and that same trash truck, we come across it again, it's lifting up a dumpster over the front and dumping it in the back. So it's loud and crashing and motors running and it's more, you know, super giant monster tra uh, trash truck. <laughs> My dog is freaking out. <laughs> and so one, one threat is uh, real. One has a real danger to it, sort of, you know, getting sprayed by a skunk and then uh, the other one is not real, and he's actually scared of that. When he wasn't scared of the first, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So um, I uh, definitely appreciated the uh, Bluetooth upload of the data uh, while I'm uh, making my green smoothie this morning. Green smoothie has uh, kale, carrots, chia, ground-up chia seed powder that you can buy, and then oh, what else do I put in it? A little bit of Oddwalla superfood green juice. Most, that's mostly apple juice. And then carrots, I think, and hemp powder. It's really good. That's my green smoothie of choice. And also I wanted to mention, so we're in the bathroom getting ready. Emily and I are. And Emily gets a phone call, and it's her dad. And um, he was mentioning to her that his alternator went out on his car, so whatever driving he was doing was screwed up for, for a little bit. And... Uh, so then Emily hangs up and Kai walks in and goes, who was that? And she said, that was uh, granddaddy and Papa. That's what we call him. And, uh, she's, he said, well, what's wrong? And she said, well, his alternator is, uh, broken on his car. And Kai goes, what's an alternator? And then Emily says, go brush your teeth. And I said, wait, Kai, an alternator. <laughs> 
is like a football, small football sized gadget that is uh, your the engine in the car creates power, right? Well, it turns that power into electricity, which is a different kind of power, and it alternates current from the from the engine into power that your car can use to power electronics because electronics use electricity and that's what it does and sometimes they break um, because they're kind of complicated in there and and that's and I made a size of my hands I go it's about this big and most cars have them if not all and uh, when it breaks uh, the electronics fade in your car and, it, and for one thing your battery won't charge and then your car won't start later because your battery's not charging because the alternator's not working and he was like, oh, okay, thanks, and walked off. And walked off. <laughs> and so the thing there is um, a lot of times we tell kids um, to not worry about it, whatever complicated thing we're explaining. But actually, if you take the time to tell your kid in a real simple way, they go, oh, cool. And then, yeah, they don't totally understand the first time, but you've are, now you've told them once. And then they're going to get told again um, and then, and then the second time they'll get it even better. And the third time, you know, you'll have a 10 or 11 year old that totally understands what an alternator is in a car and might suggest it when you're broken down on the side of the road, they go, maybe it's the alternator <laughs> and, uh, and they might be right. You know, they're just suggesting things. They're trying to help. So anyway, pro-life tip. I got to go into W to the ERK out. Bang. All right. I'm back. You know, I just wanted to mention that several times just in the past few days, I've been in meetings or at presentations, um, just all kinds of things, where taking out your phone to see what the message is, what the vibrate about is uh, uh, not smart. You know, it's either rude or perceived as rude, or uh, you need to be paying attention to what you're what you're watching. Um, or what you're participating in, or you're at the dinner table, or something like that. And I gotta say, having a smartwatch is freaking cool, where it tells you what the message is right on your wrist. And um, what I like about the Garmin one is that it vibrates, uh, and uh, it doesn't beep, uh, because the beeping would be intrusive as well. And um, this... This coming Apple uh, watch that's probably going to cause a whole lot of, probably, who, who knows. But the coming days of smartwatches and uh, data pop up on your wrist is going to be, it's going to be a bit of a, of a game changer as far as productivity and um, subtleness, being subtle with, with information. And it's more tailored to... Um, not being intrusive and rude and interruptive. Because um, like, uh, say, uh, the Garmin, I, I don't know about Polar if they do it, but the Garmin and the Sunto, you know, it just, they're not interactive, really, smartwatch alerts. They're pretty good. They show you the, the, the header, and then on the Garmin one, you can click on it and then um, get more information about it, like the first few lines of the, of the message, which is nice. Um, but you can't reply back, and I think there was something with the Apple one, which is yet to come out, where um, you might be able to 
to reply back with a message, which would be kind of good, I guess. It'd probably be pretty good. Because sometimes I'd be like, yeah, man, if I could just reply back, like, okay, or yes, or no. Which they probably will put in as stock replies, you know, like quick replies back. Or maybe some Siri uh, messages back. But um, at first it was a little bit awkward uh, because the flick of the wrist and looking at the at the wrist to see what the message is, um, you have to focus your vision down to that smaller font. And yeah, at first it's um, not efficient, efficient. It's kind of awkward. But then the more you do it, you get better at it. And then now my watch will vibrate and then I can, uh, uh, or beep sometimes. And then I'll, uh, I'll look at it and I'll have it the right distance from my eyes and the, and my eyes kind of getting ready to focus on the message and then read it and then put it back away. And, um, it's, it's, man, it's cool. It's really, really cool. Um, I was just at a big employee presentation and I got an alert that Heli, uh, favorited my um, my tweet and my wrist vibrated and I was like, oh, what is that? And I looked at it and that's not something I need to reply to or do anything about, you know. But I'm trying to remember what it was. Uh, yesterday, I got an email from from a coaching client and they said they had an important question, you know. And Or was it Emily? I'm trying to remember who it was. Something that was important. And I was like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta answer this. And I excused myself and then went and uh, replied back to it as soon as I could. And, um, and I knew about it because it was on my watch. And instead of, and it wasn't rude me f- finding out because um, I just looked at my watch real quick and saw that I had this thing. And then I made a mental note the next time I'm, I'm away from people that I got something I need to take care of. So I need to you know, take care of it. And that's, that's a, that's, that's proper use of technology and and it not being, um, you know, overwhelming or whatever. So I like it. I like it a lot. Anyway, that's it. Be back out. All right. Zentri Mobile Studios, Nissan Xterra, heading to W to the ERK. Get some work done. Had an interesting morning. Well, last, yesterday, I almost said last night, yesterday is when I interviewed um, hold on, I'm trying to mess with my windshield wipers, which leads into another story here in a second. Yesterday is when I interviewed uh, Heli Fredrickson, and <laughs> you can tell at the beginning of the interview, I'm trying to be like, is it Heli, Hella, Heli, you know, and I was trying to listen to the way other people were saying it so I could say it right. That's not a, it's not a, a name over here in America, so I'm having to learn how to say it. But anyway, that interview was so great and it was going on for an hour that afterwards I needed to grab uh, lunch and I went into Freebirds where I can get something healthy and, uh, you know, veggies and all kinds of stuff on a burrito, a healthy burrito. And the line was out the door and I'm like, crap, and I needed to get back to work. So I had had to, literally had to swing by freaking Burger King and get a burger and uh, I should now that I think about it, I should have gotten something healthier at Burger King. I got burger and fries. But when you're under stress, you know, like you make bad decisions, as everybody knows. So the uh, freaking gained a pound and a half yesterday after eating that crap. Of course, there's always other stuff, you know, that's with that. But man, that sucked. But anyway, I woke up this morning and I, I'm, uh, I'm like, oh, well, it starts off. 
the drama today starts off in the middle of the night. It starts pouring rain and lightning. And the big black lab starts, you know, freaking out. So he comes into our bedroom, lays down on the upper part of the bed between me and Emily. And then Emily starts yelling at him, right? What are you doing, Kona? Get out of here. Get Move. Right, but then he he does the uh, the peace protester move, where he just goes completely limp, and then you got to move an eighty five pound sack of potatoes, right? And then oh, we got a little traffic situation. Man, my town went from having no traffic problems to lots in like two years. And the um, oh, we didn't have an accident. No, it looks like just like a slowdown or something. But oh, maybe I don't know. It's worse than I thought. So then I'm like, well, let's see if uh, let's see if we can get them to go outside. And so I go, come on, let's go. No, wait. What happened first was then he starts flopping around to uh, try to to uh, get better positioning, and then he decides to lay his upper body across my torso, and uh, then he lays his giant fat head and neck across my. Uh, my the side of my abdomen and then he starts he gets warm right now it's like too hot and um he starts breathing hard he starts panting (laughs) and that vibration sets up a frequency in the bed this is all at 3 a.m in the morning (laughs) and the bed starts rocking up and down like front and back (laughs) like that i'm like after a while i'm like god damn it (laughs) i gotta go outside right try to get him to do something to get off the bed but it's pouring rain so he goes outside, and uh, then we have to towel him off when he gets in because his fur absorbs water for some reason. So he's up. He, now he's soaking wet, and uh, there's a little bit of lightning and stuff I'm noticing outside. And I'm like, man, if if this keeps up, there's uh, there's not going to be any swimming in the morning. They'll close the pool uh, due to lightning, and. Um, if I had my own backyard pool, I was thinking about it. It wasn't lightning enough where I would worry about it. I'd actually swim, which I've done plenty of times. I go surfing and stuff like that when it's lightning. Like uh, the if you if there is a lightning strike, it's devastating. But the chances of it happening are so freaking small; it's unbelievable. But the um, anyway, so now I'm like, well, what do I do instead? And I just rode my bike on the trainer last night. Oh man. I was doing uh, trainer intervals and I broke 600 watts on an interval just, you know, for a brief second. But uh, 605 watts was my max watts on that. And that's a new high. Yeah. So polarized for the win. And then um, uh, I liked uh, Joel and uh, Heli and uh, Ben saying, you know, easy is like super, super easy. It's just easy. It just feels too easy, you know. And that's easy. But anyway, so... Um, this morning I said, oh, I biked last night. It's, I can't go swim. So a smart thing to do would be to run and we got a treadmill and I'm like, well, let's set up the treadmill. And this is where the drama really starts happening. Um, the treadmill, the wiring in our house, no much, no matter how much we've looked at it and tried to figure it out for whatever reason, the wiring in our house will short out. It'll blow a fuse have to go reset it and it turns off half the house if we uh there's a rack right here on my left if i run on the treadmill and it's plugged into the wall right next to the treadmill and and once i get going over a certain speed like i don't know uh like a nine and a half minute mile it'll blow out 
and it does it like routinely. Then you got to go out in the rain and throw switches, and and you could probably get shocked or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, so we have an extension cord that goes and plugs that I use to plug it into a different part of the house. We I just run it across the living room in a different part of the house, and then when I'm done, I coil up the extension cord and put it back next to the treadmill. So I'm like, okay. And uh, let's get my stuff together and make a little bottle of whatever and uh, get on my running clothes. And then I walk into where, and you do, it is hard getting ready in the morning. You don't want to do anything. And so things need to be set up ahead of time. I've learned that. So that you get, you don't have, you have fewer bumps to overcome in the morning. And I, uh, I walk into the, into the training cave and there's a treadmill plugged directly into the wall and no extension cord in sight even though we've had a um even though it's that's where i've been keeping it for i don't know a year or something i'm like god dang it so i go in the garage and i find a different extension cord uh and i pull it out of the garage and i untangle it and it takes freaking forever and then i go to actually plug it in like clark griswold and it's got the wrong number of prong. It doesn't have a grounding wire slot on it, and the treadmill needs it, and the treadmill won't plug in to the the extension cord. And I'm like, God dang it! Now I'm all, I'm really pissed off because now this is cutting into my workout time, and I have no solution. Right, so I'm losing time, and I have no solution. I I was looking, and I couldn't find the other, the right extension cord. It's dark green. And uh, so then after a while, I started thinking about it. I'm like, where could that thing be? And I'm like, Emily has used it to plug in these stupid freaking deer out in our front yard that light up for Christmas. Um, These wire mesh, white wire mesh deer with white lights on them. And one of them has like a motorized head that doesn't work anymore. That kind of rotates around. And uh, I don't like Christmas decorations in the yard. I think they look tacky. But you can do what you want. But I'm like... Uh, I hate those things, and those things are ruining my workout because I bet that she's used those to, uh, she's used that extension cord to plug those in without without telling me, and uh, that she used the extension cord. So I go out, I look out the front door, and yep, out in the pouring rain with lightning is an extension cord that I need to get in on the treadmill. <laughs> so I go out there in my underwear. And I put on running shoes and I'm in my underwear and it's like uh, 45 degrees outside or something and it's pouring rain and I, I, I'm cursing and I'm yelling and I'm like, God dang it. And Emily's like, I didn't know you did. And I'm like, don't move things. You know how hard it is to get up in the morning and start working out. And then I got to find everything every time because it seems like every time I got to do this, I got to find something that Emily's put away. And this is the life people know this right you'll start laughing this is the life of people that don't put lots of stuff away, don't put stuff away all the time um and look for it the last place that they used it versus people who that it's married to somebody that constantly puts stuff away and then they're because the other person put it away their version of where it goes is different than your version of where it would probably be so then you start now you start looking two three four places for stuff and and that, so she starts yelling at me and I'm yelling back and like, it's all, <laughs> I'm just like, this is so stupid. 
why didn't you tell me or or whatever and she's and then we're arguing over like that why did she's like why didn't you use the orange cord you got the orange cord out i'm like it doesn't work and i'm like pushing the the ends together to show her like in her face (laughs) like look it doesn't work and uh they won't fit in and uh fine fine and uh anyway uh, so i finally get on the treadmill and start getting in in a run but then you're pissed you know and it all goes back to um, Hella and Ben and Joel talking about how you can get in some really great workouts if you have a controlled environment that's reliable and consistent. And uh, take a tip from me. Try to keep stuff consistent. Communicate with your partner, your significant other, your SO, that your um, that if they change things let you know or don't try not to change things in your workout environment or agree on a change and uh, then you'll avoid uh, being out in the rain with in lightning with uh, in your underpants pulling extension cords and uh, electroluminescent reindeer around the yard at what time was it 5 30 a.m so that's it i'm at w to the erk gotta go out bang Hello, freaks and geeks. I'm back. Oh, what is that? Oh, my watch just buzzed at me. Okay. Uh, man, I did something pretty freaking cool today. And I do it on occasion, so I thought I'd explain what it is. Because it can help your training a ton. <sighs> um, I went for a mixed run today. So... Um, one of the reasons... A few years ago, I got a whole lot better at triathlon... Um, and it has to do like we're doing all these interviews with Joel Filial and, and uh, Jordan and Helly and all that. And the thing that keeps coming up is consistency, consistency, adding on another layer and adding on another layer of training. And a few years ago, I, uh, I convinced Emily to let us uh, turn our spare guest room into a training room. So we threw in a treadmill and a trainer. And my life has been completely different since then because I can train anytime, uh, it, except for the swimming part. But swimming, you don't need to train that much. But I can go for a bike ride or a run um, anytime, no matter what the weather. And um, yeah, improvements just started coming on like crazy. And a treadmill's a, I don't know, $400 investment or something. And it just depends. And then um, a trainer is a couple hundred bucks at most. You get a, my favorite is a Cyclops Fluid because um, it just freaking works and it works well. I like the Kirk Kinetic that you can uh, rock back and forth on, but whatever. Um, so anyway, uh, there's a problem though where I live where um, it's not very hilly. Um, you've heard me mention that uh, I think the best hill I got around where I live is like a 2% or 3% grade and it's I could probably climb it in a minute and a half or something like that and that's if I go way out of my way to find it and um, it's not as flat as Houston where I spent a lot of my childhood living which was just mind-numbingly flat which was just brutal and uh, especially having moved there coming from Alabama northern Alabama where it was crazy freaking hilly and I loved it I loved sitting on a skateboard when you're 7 years old and just bombing down a hill a skateboard with steel wheels 
in the 70s. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, anyway, I... Uh, Um, so to get faster on the run, you ought to do intervals up, up hills because that really drives resistance into your legs and improves you quickly, right? But I don't have hills, right? But I got a treadmill and the, the treadmill will do like a 10% grade. And this is just a consumer grade treadmill. I think once this one explodes, which I've nearly exploded it before, uh, we're going to uh, get one that goes a little bit more not professional grade, but medium grade, where it'll go, um, this one tops out at 10 miles per hour, which is, which is a six minute mile, which is fine. But once you get really into it, you can start, uh, and I'm not, I'm, I'm on the verge of that where it starts to get to be like, eh, you know, maybe I could do a little bit better. So, um, when this one blows up, we'll, uh, get improvement. Oh, a Lamborghini. Is that a Lamborghini? We live really close to the Texas World Speedway. It's just a couple miles down the road. So every once in a while we see an exotic sports car at the gas station filling up. Let's see what it is. It's orange. Is that our McLaren? I can't tell what it is. It's shaped like a Lamborghini, but it might be a McLaren. Anyway. Then. Uh, the question is, I got a dog. Right, dog needs to go for a run. I like running outside, but if I run outside, the uh, there's no hills, right? But I want to do a hill workout to to uh, improve myself. It's time for a good uh, interval run, and so what do, what do you do? You know, and you have to think outside of the box a little bit and decide to do something uh, innovative. Which at first, when you think about it, it's not innovative at all. But also at the same time, it's actually kind of hard to, to convince yourself to do it. So you are kind of like, oh, why didn't I think of this earlier? So you run the first. So what I did today is I uh, ran the first half of my run, my warm-up of the run, outside. And then turned around and ran the second half of the run inside on the treadmill. And knocked out four intervals, uh, running at like 10% grade and trying to go as fast as I could up hills which I don't have outside. And um, I thought I'd remind people that, you know, you have options out there and a lot of people would be like, well, I either have to run outside or I have to run inside. And you're, you're self, if you do that, you're self-imposing an artificial limit on yourself and you just gotta, just gotta do it, you know? And I did it, and it was great. It took a few minutes to go from outside to inside, but the ending result workout was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. All right, and I've got another tip for you. Oh, and the cool thing about having indoor gear to a treadmill and a bike ride uh, trainer is that um, if you're a parent, it allows you to get in those moments of parenting that are kind of funny and where you're needed around the house. We've been doing this ever since Kai was a little kid, little little kid. And uh, so I'm on the treadmill today, hammering out an interval. I'm running at like nine miles per hour up a, probably on this one, I was probably doing like an 8% or 9% grade. I'm freaking dying up running up this thing. And, uh, and, I'm, and I'm watching the Challenge Bahrain uh, video uh, on the run, you know, Michael Rayler. Oh, Jody Swallows, fuck, freaking, I almost said fucking, freaking killing herself 
trying to keep up with Ellie. And it's so rad, right? And then out of the out of the corner of the room, through the doorway, comes Kai, and he's got milk all across his his upper lip. And he goes, "Dad, Dad." I'm like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> he's like, "Do you like my mustache?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, wow, you look so powerful with your mustache. That looks great." And he's like, "Thanks." And then takes turns around and walks off. And you know, those are those are those moments that are like so. They're, what's funny is they're so short, but um, they're so important. You know, he looks for you. Your kid looks for you, and you're there. You know, and you give some encouragement, and then move on. And then, man, that's what that's what treadmills can do for you. Um, instead of it being pointed outside, out the front window, it's actually reversed and pointed towards the doorway and out over the living room so you can parent you know when you see the kid run by chasing the dog with a with a stick or something like that in your living room and christmas ornaments flying around then uh you get to yell at them and say hey cut it out you know or the tv's still on in the living room you turn that off you know if you point it the wrong way out the uh, out the front window out towards the street yeah the view's better but now you can't see what's uh what's going on in your house Oh, and then I had something else. Um, training really is all about scheduling because if you piss off your family members that you're uh, you're training all the time um, without letting them know, so much of it is clarity and planning. And uh, I give uh, top secret tips on how to do this better so you don't piss off your family. And one is to go out of your way to let them know ahead of time that you're going to be doing something. And uh, I wonder if I'm in the right lane. So the pool was closed yesterday morning, and I still I still want to swim. And I know the pool's open today, Saturday. The pool I knew the pool was open on Saturday. I looked it up, 11:30 to 3:30, and I'm like, oh, I could go swim in the middle of the day, you know. But we got family stuff kind of going on, but nothing like all day. It's just kind of whatever. And so early Friday, I texted Emily and said. Uh, while she's at work, and I said, hey, I want to swim tomorrow sometime for an hour. I think you can phrase it like just an hour. It's all in your language. For just an hour, sometime between 11.30 and 3.30. And I got no response for a while. And then after a while, you know, finally, uh, she wrote back, um, um, I want, she wrote back, you know, coming from her, I want to go see a movie with Kai um, sometime during the day. Let's let's see if we can make it fit, right? Boom, done. So now, because I let her know way ahead of time, it's not like on Saturday, her going, hey, let's go see a movie, and me going, oh, man, I want to go swim, and then getting into an argument or, you know, like the stress of trying to work out the scheduling because you've already done it way, way ahead of time. And there's lots of people that I coach or give advice to that when they struggle finding time to work out because their spouse or somebody keeps um, planning stuff during their workout time, uh, I say, put write what you're going to do, the days and hours that you're planning on working out, and write it on a calendar and put it on the kitchen, put it on the refrigerator or the door in the kitchen or something. And then you can point to it and say, these are the times that I'm going to do whatever. And so that there's no conflict, 
these times are set, and let's try to do let's try to do uh, other stuff around that, you know. And and uh, there's plenty of time to still do your stuff. Um, and now this is the time that I'm going to do my stuff. And now we can work out who's uh, watching the kids or you know whatever you're doing. So anyway. And then I also figured out how to get Garmin Connect to upload directly to Strava. I'm still having trouble finding Garmin and or Strava web widget badges kind of things to show what you've been doing lately and put on your website. Um, Garmin's, I can't find it all. It looks like it might have existed at one point, but then never again. And the uh, uh, Strava has one, but it's it doesn't do anything. It's, it's empty. <laughs> so I posted to them a help question and uh and then let it go and went on with my life and we'll see if they ever reply back so anyway that's it i'm gonna go i'm on my way to the pool to go swim out dang all right i'm back i just i got off the mic there for a second just to go check out the company gym i've never looked at it before man it's depressing (laughs) oh my anyway it's just enough but and it's way out of the way, so I don't know if I'll ever use it. Anyway, I, I also had another thought that I wanted to mention on um, a big problem people have with uh, doing like really, 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 really easy is like, what's the what's the point, you know, of doing really easy? But what happens is, is if you do some of your workouts uh, really hard, and then you counterbalance them, you polarize them with uh, a lot with easy in between the easy is actually quite amazing because I just did one last night and um, what happens is is so let's say so last night was Friday was Friday no uh, yeah yeah so Thursday I did a hard interval bike ride you know really knocking out intervals hard right so then the next day um, my legs are and that, that really improves you, right? It's good. It's perfect. And then the next day, legs are a little bit tight. You know, they're still recovering and stuff. Um, so what an interv- what a easy workout does that's really beneficial, oh man, red light, is you just pedal along easy. And then after, after about 45 minutes, and I'm serious, it's about 45, 30 minutes maybe, but definitely by 45 minutes, gradually, just by pedaling or running, you know, like really, really easy, just settling. And I was watching uh, TV and crap like that while I'm biking along. Um, what this does is it loosens up your body and eventually gets everything kind of flowing again under a non-pressure kind of environment. And it's nice. It's really, really, really nice so that towards the back half, the end of your workout, your numbers actually gradually start to climb up and look good. They look like uh, zone two, uh, you know, real nice. And so, um, and what, what I'm saying, what that does is it primes your body and gets your body back into the flow of feeling normal again so that the next workout after that, you can actually do intervals again because you've kind of broken things, uh, broken all the rigidity down and 
and got things kind of smooth and supple again by doing just a really easy, uh, nice flow workout. So it's kind of like a recovery workout that people talk about sometimes um, in a weird way. And it just gets everything nice, nice and happy again. It gets all the stuff, gets all the blood going to where things should go. It gets the joints all flexible again and, and, and just really helps a lot. And for example, um, I started off last night um, riding easy and like riding easy was like 80 RPM and 180 watts or something like that and uh, like uh, 110 beats per minute and I was and I had you have to tell yourself don't push it this is easy um, any more than this is you're uh, pushing too hard uh, just ride easy right don't just don't you don't even don't don't try so hard man just back off right that's the whole point of this workout is just to loosen stuff up and then by the end of it i was doing uh, 125 i think beats per minute and like 250 watts or something and a cadence of 92 because I had given myself almost an hour of just going nice and easy to uh, kind of break stuff apart, you know? And so then when uh, the next day, if I do a run or a, or a, hard, a hard run or a hard bike ride, um, my legs are all nice and, and happy right because i've worked them up now to a nice good cadence and a nice turnover and it feels good without much struggle so there's actually a point to it it's really cool anyway i thought i'd put that out there for people to use all right out bang all right this should be the last entry for the week i want to get this heli podcast out um but i just did a bike workout and I have some cool stuff to tell you. So first, let's open a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And I'm literally in my bike shorts, no shirt, pouring sweat. I got headband and wristbands on. <laughs> I look like I'm in a jazzercise video out of the early 80s. But let's open this up with my Sunto uh, bottle opener. It's pretty cool. It's one of those pressed down with a magnetic thing on it. And that reminds me, I've got a, an old Sunto Quest. And I gave it to Kai. I put a fresh battery and put it in, and he loves it, man. That thing looks rad. And okay, let's start drinking this Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Oh, I love IPAs. Mm. Oh, is this a is this an India Pale Ale or just a Pale Ale? Anyway, I love it. I love Sierra. Hmm. So first off, I was watching the end of the. Um, Challenge Bahrain video, and I saw something freaking hilarious. Um, <laughs> watch uh, for Hella to finish, Heli, Hella, Heli, and then watch her um, uh, more girls finish and more girls finish, and then they pull Heli aside to interview her, and she's sitting on the couch being interviewed, and they're showing highlights from her racing already, right? And it's just really cool, and then. Um, they show in slow motion her crossing the finish line and then they hand her the banner and stuff and she's holding it over her head and then they, she starts to turn to her left to walk off 
And in the background, you see a guy on a stretcher that they're lifting up off the ground and carting him off. And it's like, hell is just crushing it, cruising the finish line. And then there's like, uh, you know, destruction and devastation on the ground around her. It is really, now I feel bad because I feel bad for that guy. I don't, I don't know who it was. And, uh, but still, it was kind of bizarre. Anyway, you got to watch for that on the video. It's on YouTube. I'll put the link to it on my blog. It's in triathlon.com. And, God, it's a long video. It's taken me like half a week of training indoors to actually watch the whole thing. It's pretty cool. Okay, so then the other thing is on the bike, uh, if your cadence isn't in the mid-90s on the trainer, then what you should do is uh, gear down uh, so that it's easier until your cadence comes up to the mid-90s. Once you go over 100, that's probably too high, but you should make the resistance easy enough on the trainer and out pedaling so that it forces you to eventually work your cadence up to mid to the mid-90s, and it'll take a few workouts, but that's an easy, easy way to do it. And then as your body figures out how to pedal that fast, it actually, you feel like you're not even pushing the pedals all that hard. And, but the power coming off is nice, man. 250 to 270 watts at like uh, 90, 92 to 95 RPM doesn't, the pressure you're putting on the pedals doesn't feel that, feel like that much. So if you can learn to spin your legs that fast, that's how you do it. So again, drop the resistance and force your legs to start. Don't shift for more resistance until you're into the, uh, uh, hitting about 100 then shift for more resistance and then that'll knock you down to the low 90s again and that's how you work your cadence up because a higher cadence puts out more power it's a rule um it makes you a better cyclist okay low cadence will wear you out and then have you uh walking on the run and then the other thing is uh i've got a garmin uh 510 bike computer which is pretty sweet i've had it for a while and it's uh over, over time, I've uh, figured out what screens actually really work for in and out training, uh, what data fields on a screen. So I thought I'd share that with you to give you some ideas and tell you why I have what I have on there. So um, I've got it split. It'll do 10 boxes of data at once. And this is what I have on mine. And I rarely need to... Uh, to uh, go to anything else because this is it. So I do 10 screens of data. Uh, first one on top left is uh, heart rate, right? Because you always want to know how your body's reacting to what you're doing. And then top right is battery. So that's uh, battery percentage of battery life left. And right now it says 81%. And that's kind of like the heart rate of the uh, bike computer. <laughs> so you can kind of keep an eye on that and make sure that it's going to, uh, your bike computer is going to last throughout the ride and, uh, and not surprise you with a sudden conking out. Okay. And then below that on the left, uh, power three seconds, uh, power one, one second power isn't really useful. It jumps around too much, but power three seconds is it averages the last three seconds and that kind of smooths it out, but also gives you very, very recent power output. That's what um, everybody tends to use for current power is power three second average. And then on the right is normalized power. Normalized power um, is a formula. It's an algorithm, which is just a fancy word for equation of um, 
where if you surge in your power, it gives that a little bit extra uh, points. And uh, <clears throat> so if you're real surgy, which actually wears you out, the normalized power, it's a basically your average over the past ride or whatever, and over your current ride. So it'll be a little bit higher than your uh, regular average power. And um, what you want to do is get your normalized power to very close to your average power. And that's a smooth for triathlon. And that's a long distance triathlon. That's very um, smooth, smooth power. Um, but that's a more realistic version of power of what it did to your body versus uh, just average power. Okay, so then um, below that on the left is current lap. And lap is, um, so sometimes I use uh, the lap function to, and, and so this is a timer for your lap, how long it's been going. And, um, and sometimes I use that for doing intervals or um, if I'm on a, um, uh, if I'm doing an Ironman or something like that and I want to, uh, <clears throat> time something like fueling or something like that, then, um, that's, uh, that's really useful. And then lap power to the right of that. And that tells me, um, so like in an Ironman, sometimes I used to do this, I haven't done it lately, but every 20 minutes I hit the lap button and, or you can set it to auto lap if you want, but I set, uh, about every 20 minutes to 30 minutes, hit the lap button. And then to the right of that, I have lap power and that tells me what my watts, how much work I've been doing over the past 20 minutes. And then what I do is, because the longer you go for a bike ride, you build up an average, and then anything recent, it's really hard for it to skew the average. So if you're just looking at average um, over the entire bike ride, um, you could be really falling off the deep end and sucking, and you won't know it because you've already added up this huge average of the time that you've been out there. So a five hour bike ride and you've, let's say for five hours, you've averaged uh, 200 Watts. And then the last, um, 30 minutes or so you're now putting out, you're falling off and you're putting out 190. Well, um, that 190 for the last 20, 30 minutes is barely going to affect your 200 Watts average that you've been accumulating. So, um, it's better to see what you're doing lately to use a lap function and hit it on a regular basis. And um, uh, that's uh, that gets into long distance racing stuff. Okay, so then below that to the left is cadence. And if you're, um, you always ought to keep an eye on your cadence. If your cadence is falling off, then there's something wrong with your fueling or your, your fitness. And then you don't want your cadence to be too high. You don't want your cadence to be too Cadence too high, it'll wear you out aerobically. Cadence too low, it'll wear you out muscularly. So you kind of want a sweet spot of cadence. And then to the right of that, this is all on one screen, right? We're, we still got three left. Um, distance. And distance is useful for, um, you have a target distance, or let's say you're doing a half Ironman or an Ironman, and you want to know kind of where you are. Right? So you're... Uh, 90 miles in, it'll tell you. Um, and then, although for training, you ought to go out by uh, time and effort, not by distance. And then um, the distance is what the distance ends up being because you got wind and hills and stuff like that. But on race day, you need to know that uh, how much you got left. Okay, and then 
bottom, very bottom left is time, and that means um, how long you've been going. And then the bottom right is time of day, and time of day is um, very useful for you got to be back at the house at a certain time, and then also for sunscreen. So if it's before 10 a.m., I don't really worry about sunscreen, but once it starts hitting about 10, it depends on the time of year um, and the overcast and stuff like that, the cloud cover. But if it starts getting to be um, 10 a.m., I start thinking about putting on sunscreen. And then if it's after 4.30 or so, I don't don't really worry about it that much anymore. So that's where I use the time of day, both for sunscreen and for... um, uh, uh, da, 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 you know, like, oh crap, I gotta be back at the house. And, <laughs> and, um, uh, and, you know, let's say you're doing Ironman Texas and you're gonna need some freaking sunscreen for that. And you take off and you're, you just have time and da, 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 you know, when do you actually put on sunscreen? Well, you wait till it's about uh, 10 a.m. So it's really cool to have that on your bike computer. And so the Garmin 510 is really cool. Because it shows all this crap, uh, 10 screens of data, and uh, you can just leave it on this and do training and racing with the same thing. And the 510, I think the 500 might have the same amount of screens, but the 510 actually connects by Bluetooth to your cell phone. And then you can, uh, um, uh, you can uh, do live tracking with your cell phone. And then your spouse can know where you are, so she can call you up and yell at you to get out of traffic, quit playing in traffic again. Oh, man. So that's that, huh? Pretty good. Um, But for the live tracking to happen, you have to have your phone actually on you. There's a new Timex uh, watch coming out or came out that has, it might be coming out, that has a phone chip actually in it. And uh, you won't need to connect it to your phone anymore. That'd be pretty cool for racing. So your spouse knows. Let's say you're doing an Ironman. Your spouse knows where you are out on the course. Your SO, significant other. And over all the years, I figured out that what I just told you is actually wonderful for uh, training and racing. And then you have a dedicated bike computer mounted between your aero bars. And what I do is I mount it up as close to my hands as I possibly can. So you don't have to look way down and way back to look at it. And this, um, oh, you can save a ton of battery life by turning the backlight way down. And uh, I, uh, I recommend Sunto makes freaking gorgeous uh, dive computers. And I think they ought to make a bike computer. Man, it would be so pretty. Mm. Because a, um, a dedicated bike computer between your hands where you can see what you're doing so it's just phenomenal. So um, you look down and you see your cadence is good, your heart rate's good, your watts are good, right? And um, the time of day and kind of where you are and you can use the lap thing, all of it having, having it mounted right there is really, really, really cool. And it can change your training forever. It's good stuff. All right, well, we'll uh, oh, but it does. Um, having more than one Garmin device, it, that connects to your phone, uh, they start competing for phone Bluetooth and they start fighting with each other. And then you end up getting frustrated and yelling at stuff and then going to forums and typing really hard on your laptop. Like, why are you doing this to me? And then you find other people that are just furious because it <laughs> doesn't work right. <laughs> oh my God, it's crazy. 
All right, all right. Good, out, bang. Hello, I'm back. All right, I just uploaded my bike workout that we were just talking about, and I thought I'd say a couple of things. First off, 831 calories over a um, over a one-hour workout. Let's talk about fueling for a second. When you and still I was aerobic, I was, uh, average heart rate was like around 130, something like that. And, um, the whole thing of trying to, you know, not fuel to make yourself metabolically efficient and all that stuff. Well, that's a real performance limiter and you should be careful of that and, um, not get too crazy with that. Because 831 calories, okay, so <laughs> that means even if you're eating, I don't know, uh, 200 calories during your workout, you know, you're still like 75% or so uh, using body, body fat and body fuel for your workout, right? And yeah, so it's just the, the amount of you don't want to go over probably half. You definitely want to go over, don't want to go over half of what you what you burn. But when you consider that 831 calories in an hour, it, if you tried to burn that without fueling that at all, just a just a little bit of fueling and then you can uh, actually work out a whole lot better and get your get your body burning and getting a great workout by fueling a little bit that if you're not taking in anything, then you're actually shortcutting your body from working out as hard as it possibly as as well as it could. Not as hard as it possibly could, but as well as it could. And you think about this, um, speed and power and all that stuff to, even if you're going easy, fast people that are, even though they're going easy, are going are burning a ton of calories to go that fast, you know, and so I was going uh, easy zone two, right, and I was still burning eight hundred and thirty one calories per minute. And when Joe Filiol and and other people talk about, don't worry too much about how many calories you take in while you're actually working out because you cannot even come close to eating the amount of calories that you're burning and an eight, 831 calories is uh like imagine if i tried to eat that while uh while biking <laughs> i'd be throwing up all over the place so um what i'm saying is is i was able to actually have a really good workout and average get up to where i was averaging like 260 watts because the the more watts you put out, the faster you go, the more power you put out, the more calories that takes. And then that's a sliding scale. And then what you need to do is eat a percentage of that, a good healthy percentage of that. And so I probably ate uh, 200 to 250 calories while I was on the bike. And that's still way less than half of what I burned while I was actually on the bike. But if I didn't eat that 250 calories, let's say, then um, I wouldn't have had the energy to, to put out um, the power and watts that I did. And I would have only averaged, I wouldn't have gotten as good of a workout as I did. And then um, 
I wouldn't have improved myself, right? So a lot of us are cutting ourselves off at the, at the knees by not eating enough um, before and during our workouts um, and creating an artificial limiter. The, the only way I was able to go th- uh, that well during a workout is by how much I was eating because I've tried it. I've tried it both ways. And um, this is the way, the way to do it. And also, I was fighting with the, um, with the Garmin 510 and uploads and stuff like that. So you have to turn on the Garmin 920 watch. You have to turn the Bluetooth off. <laughs> and then it goes, oh, there's a, I see that there's a bike computer, a 510, that wants to uh, do stuff. And you're like, yeah, there it is. And then it uploads. And then to get... What the crazy thing is, the bad thing is, you turn the Garmin 510 all the way off, and then the phone still won't see the 920 again. And it's like, uh, there's no watch there. And um, even though you turn the Bluetooth back on on the 920, and then, so then I tried uh, turning Bluetooth off on the phone all the way and then back on, no difference. And then I killed the Garmin app and... uh, which is double tapping the home screen on the uh, the home button on the um, iPhone, and then turning the app back on, and then it goes, oh, hey, there's no Garmin 510 anymore, but there is this Garmin uh, 920 I want to talk to, and then it goes boing, and then it turns back on. And the reason you want to do that is because the Bluetooth alert stuff. So, all right, that's it. Out. Oh, I need to eat something. All right, that's it for a show. Let's go ahead and wrap it up with some donations. You can help support Zen and Yard Triathlon by going to the left side of zentriathlon.com and hitting up the PayPal link and throwing a donation towards the show. The show is expensive to make. Triathlon's an expensive podcast to be into, an expensive sport to be into, and every little bit helps. And it's a lot of work to make these shows so your help goes a long, long way, and I really do appreciate it. Again, there's um, one-time donations, and then there's recurring donations. You can have your choice over there on the left side, and I bow and thank you for helping me out. This is a great cause to spread the information out there to help a lot of people get better at doing the sport of triathlon, and we all appreciate it, so thank you very much. And here is... A list of current donors. We got Jonathan Woodman and great, great. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you like that. Grant Beauchert or Boshert and Hun Chu. And then also William Beck, who sent us an email. And it says, Brett, thank you so for thank you so much for putting out such a great podcast week after week. It is a big inspiration to me and a lot of fun to listen to. I hope you and your family have had a great holiday and look forward to listening listening to you in 2015. I am too much of a newbie to do Ultra Baby, or whatever you end up calling it this year, but if you go for 2016, I am in. Cheers, Bill Beck. Sent from my Apple cow. <laughs> so what I, I deduce from that is your, your iPhone, you got one of these monstrous iPhones now that it's as big as a car hood. And uh, you're now you're calling your Apple cow. Um, yeah, so the Ultra Baby is where I'm putting on a self-supported Ultraman distance race, but we're going to go one mile longer, and that's in the fall, October of 2015. I'm very, very excited about that. And the last I heard, we may have Christine Lynch showing up to do the Ultra Baby 
That would be awesome. She and I, I think our PRs for an Ironman are about the same, and I would be stoked to have her on the starting line and try to race her, and we would just be laughing the whole way anyway. We're good buds, so it's it would be a ton of fun. So I hope she can make it down. That would be cool. All right, I think that's it. I do have some other donations, but I will... Uh, I'll mention those in the next episode because I don't have them right in front of me. I just got them in today. And I should mention that I'm currently full for coaching, but we do have some space on the show and on the website for some advertising. If you want to get your name out there, your product, your thing, your race, your club, anything, let me know at texafornia at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter. I'm Zen Triathlon on Twitter. Let me know and we can work something out, all right? You'll definitely enjoy the results. And as always, I've got some great interviews lined up. So stay tuned and be ready for some more of those. All right, everybody stay safe out there. Have a nice holiday. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down. Out. Your, hell, do you pronounce your first name Hella or Hell or Helly or how, I, how should I say it? Uh, Hella is fine. Hella, okay. Yeah. Is, that, is it fine or is it right? Uh, that's, that's right. Don't call me Hell. No, I hope not.